0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Amma abad. Alhamdulillah, tonight is the 29th of April in the year 2023. And Alhamdulillah, we moved on to the sixth night where we're going through the exalted and dear life of the Eminent Companion Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And I've reached the point where I've mentioned that due to the rumor that had spread i.e. that all of Makkah had embraced Islam, the companions had returned. So now the question was, should they proceed to Makkah or return? In Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham in his page 181 of the New English translation, it mentions: Some thereupon entered the holy city under the protection of one of its chiefs. Some thereupon entered the city under the protection of one of its chiefs. So they didn't just enter, they made sure that they were protected, and obviously they went to the relevant chiefs to get their protection. So here there's an interesting report which is relevant. Our beloved mother Sayyidah Aisha she relates that her illustrious and unparalleled husband said I was given a vision of your abode in exile, a place of dead palms between two tracks of black stones. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, Ibn Kathir, Seeda, Volume 2, page 38 of the English translation. So the Prophet he had a dream. And of course, his dreams were all revelation. And he saw. He said, I saw your abode, i.e., where you would uh, migrate. It was a place of dead palms between two tracks of black stones. So here Hafiz ibn Katid he commented in his Seed of Volume 2, page 38 of the English translation. Dussum, who had returned from Abyssinia, now migrated to Al-Madinah whilst the rest of those who had remained in Abyssinia, eventually all did as well. So here Ibn Kathir said, because of this dream of the Prophet some of them realized that he's going to migrate to Al-Madinah. And of course, it's a place famous for date palms, and of course, volcanic tracks. Because the Prophet said, I saw two tracks of black stones. So some of them who had migrated back to the outskirts of Makkah, Instead of going to Makkah, they went to Al-Madinah now. And also some from Abyssinia eventually also migrated. So if you reconcile all the above reports, the blessed Muhajirun who had returned to Makkah upon hearing the rumor had now split into three distinct groups. The first, those who now proceeded to and now stayed in Makkah. So the first group, They said, we're going to Makkah. They entered with the relevant protection. They entered. The second, those who thereupon now migrated to al Madina, And third, those who once again returned to Abyssinia. So this is important because the companions, it showed that they were being guided by what they thought was best. And like Ibn Kathir said, none of them were found fault with. They all did the correct thing. But now the question is to which of these groups did the noble Abdullah ibn Mas'ud belong? The reality seems to be that he had thereupon proceeded onto Makkah, as will be clarified insha'Allah. So it appears that he entered Makkah again. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud الله, was one of the blessed few companions who had the privilege of migrating twice in the lifetime of our beloved messenger first from Makkah to Abyssinia and then from Makkah to Al-Madinah. Subhanallah. Thus, let alone lesser mortals, even amongst the Khilaf al-Rashidin it is only the august personalities of both Abu Bakr and Uthman who had the honor of a double migration from Makkah to Abyssinia and then later from Makkah to al Madina? So this highlights how great this deed was. It wasn't even given to the greatest of the greatest. The Khilaf al rashidina the greatest of the companions but only two of them were chosen for this. Abu Bakr and Uthman. So Uthman we've mentioned, he was with the first batch. But notice Abu Bakr's name is not mentioned in either group. So why do I mention Abu Bakr is also given this honor? Because in another uh, separate report, in Sayyih Bukhari, he asked the Prophet whether he could leave. And the Prophet gave him permission and he was heading towards Abyssinia. But then he met a noble and the noble to call Along long narration short said, go back, a man like you shouldn't migrate. <laughs> he went back and he eventually stayed in Makkah. Whatever the case, his intention was clear. So Allah Ta'ala gave Abu Bakr that honor So even Umar, and Ali who weren't given this honor. So Ibn Masood was given this honor as well. It would suffice to say that the value of this migration was such that even Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar had envied it. So in Sahih Buhari, Sahih Muslim, Ibn Abi Shaiba in his Al musannaf Ibn Sa'ad in his tabakat. Abu Nu'im, al Bari, volume 7, page 341, Ganzal Umal, volume 8, page 333, 3, 3. Al-Bidayah, volume 4, page 205, al sahabah volume 1, page 593 to 5 of the New English Translation. Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ashri, he said, We lived in Yemen, and when we heard that Rasulullah sallallahu had migrated to Al-Madinah, my brothers and myself also decided to migrate to al-Madina. So what's happened? So in this lawless report, Abu Musa is in Yemen. He's heard the prophets migrated. So he thought, right, we need to migrate to Madina. I was the youngest of them. And the others were Abu Burda and Abu Ruham. We boarded a ship together with another 50 of our brothers or comrades. But the ship took us to Abyssinia where we met Ja'afr and we just stayed there for a while. So question, why on earth did this ship take them to Abyssinia? So the simple response could be maybe there was a storm, they lost strike and Allah willed them to go there. Whatever the case, they ended up in Abyssinia and they stayed with Ja'afr. Then later we all left to al Madina, And we met Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he had conquered Khaybar. So they stayed a few years in uh, Khaybar. And then when they actually came to Al-Madinah, Khaybar has been conquered. Many people thus used to tell those very companions who had been on that ship, we beat you to the Hijrah, I to Al-Madinah. So this was their argument. Because look, we all ended up in Al-Madinah. We all done the Hijrah. But well, we have beaten you because we came seven years prior to you. Mm-hmm. Asma bint Jaafar Jafar whose wife, and I just I mentioned after his martyrdom, she married Abu Bakr Siddiq. She was also amongst those who had been on the ship and had migrated to Abyssinia. Mm-hmm. One day she was visiting Ummul Mu'mineen Hafsa when Umar also arrived. When he saw Asma الله, with Hafsa, he asked, Who is this? When his daughter informed him that the lady was Asma bint Umis, Umar then asked, الله, Is she the one who had been to Abyssinia at sea? She confirmed. Umar said, We beat you to the hijrah. We therefore have more right to Rasulullah. But there's the argument. So when he saw Asma, and obviously she was covered, so he asked his daughter, because this is Asma, because the one who went to Abyssinia. He goes, Yes. He goes, We beat you. We came seven years before you to Al Madina. Asma was angered by this, and she responded, Never. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you people were with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He fed your hungry, advised the ignorant amongst you. Whilst we were in a land where the people were far from the deen. In fact, they had hated for it. All this we did for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger. I swear now, I shall neither take food or drink until I inform Rasulullah about what you have said and ask him about it. I swear I shall neither lie to him nor distort or add to what you have said. So look at how brave Asma was. She spoke back to Umar. <laughs> and she basically said, He goes, you with the Prophet. What did you have to worry about? Because we were in a strange land. They were Christians. People didn't have a liking for the deen. And he goes, I'm now not going to eat or drink until I get clarification from the Prophet. She then went to the Rasulullah and informed him of what Umar had said. Rasulullah sallallahu upon hearing Asmaa, he asked, what did you tell him? <laughs> because when he said that to you, what did you tell him? Hmm. After she had informed him about her reply to Umar, he said, alayhi wa sallam said, now what's interesting, before moving on, she narrated the whole incident, but she didn't mention Umar's statement. So the wisdom behind that was she didn't want to give any negative Negativity of Umar to the Prophet. All she said was, Umar said something. So Rasulullah then asked her, What did he say? Only then she highlighted. After she had informed him, the Prophet said, He does not have a greater right to me than you. He and his companions have only one hijrah to their credit, while you and the people on the ship of two hijras to your credit. Asma further related, I thereupon saw Abu Musa al ashari and the other people of the ship also came to me in groups to ask about this hadith of Rasulullah Nothing in the world made them happier and they regarded nothing to be greater than the statement that Rasulullah had made in their faith, subhanAllah. She also mentioned, I saw Abu Musa radi listening to this hadith from me over and over again. So how did the Prophet respond? The Prophet responded that no. He goes, he does not have a greater right to me than you. Meaning he has one hijrah. He migrated to Al-Madinah where you and the people of the ship have two hijras." And he goes, therefore, you have two, he has one. You have a virtue over him in this area. So Asma, look what she then said. <laughs> I saw Abu Musa and the people of the ship, and they heard this hadith. So they wanted verification. And nothing in the world made them happier than this statement. Now think about that. Look at all the deeds that they had done. But what did they feel was the greatest thing? This statement. So this shows their love for the Prophet because they were so happy that the prophet said this and abu musa she said he goes he couldn't get enough of this hadith. because he kept asking me again and again because what did he say like you say in today's day and age can you say it again just want to you know verify this so now how is this narration first of all an honor for the Asharis. this shows that allah the almighty His glorious loves the Yemenis. they wanted one hijrah, but Allah Taala says no i'm going to give you two And the prophet testified to that now think about that they had no intention for that it wasn't as if they left and they thought we're gonna do two migrations they had no intention so this is grace grace is what allah gives without any of your effort so the ship was an honor for them allah directed the ship towards abyssinia the only thing which is very interesting to point out if it was critical for them to go to al-madina why did they spend a few years in, uh, in abyssinia So this is a very interesting thing which the scholars have talked about at length and they highlight that this was a plan of Rasulullah he wanted a base just in case something would happen meaning making a stronghold outside of the land of Arabia but when he migrated to al Madina and he realized that now Islam had been established there was no wisdom in them staying any longer there, so they came So, the proof of this is Abu Musa stayed a few years. Now, think about it. Why didn't he go to the Prophet? Why didn't Jafar say, Well, hang on a minute. The Prophet needs men. Go to Medina, even though you've come to us. He stayed. And the Prophet didn't rebuke him when he saw him. Why did you stay in Abyssinia? So, this proves there was other reasons which are very important to highlight about his migration. But Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, how is this related to him? This narration must have also greatly pleased. The majestic Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud and all those who were honored with this blessed migration. So even though he's not mentioned, the ones who had two migrations to their credit were given honor by the Prophet So Ibn Mas'ud naturally must have been pleased over this. So therefore it was an honor for the great Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud. But going back to the report, three migrations are also mentioned. So what do I mean by this? Some migrated to Abyssinia, that's one. They came back. Then they migrated back to Abyssinia. So the masses. that's actually a second migration. Then they migrated a third time to al Madina. So there's actually three migrations. So some of the scholars point out that this is a further honor for some noble souls. And amongst them, of course, was some of the great companions of the Prophet Wasallam. Whatever the case, it was grace by the Almighty and glorious. So now, on his return, is a famous incident. So, the section is entitled, The Incident of Our Beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Not Returning the Salam to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, in Sahih Bukhari, number 1199, 1216, 3875, Sayyidh Muslim, number 538, Nasai, number 1221. Abu Dawood, number 924. Ahmad in his Musnad, number 3563. 3884. Sahih. Ibn Kathir Sida, volume 2, page 38 to 9 of the English translation. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud himself, he relates, we used to greet Rasulullah sallallahu with salam when he was offering salah. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa would return the salam. However, when we came back from being with Negus, alayhi, we greeted him with salam, and he, sallallahu did not return the greeting. So, I'll stop in the report. So, in this flawless report, Ibn Masood said we would give salam to Rasulullah, sallallahu when he's offering salat, and in his salat he would return our salam. When we came back from Abyssinia, he didn't return the salam. We thereupon said when he had completed his prayer, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Kunna Kunna nu Salimo Aleika salat Fata Ruddu Alien. We used to greet you when you were offering salat and you would return the greeting. Aye, what has now happened? He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inna fissulati la shuhula. Verily, there is sufficient blissful preoccupation within salah. Verily, there is sufficient blissful preoccupation within salah. So what's happened? Something had been revealed to the Prophet ﷺ. Ibn Masud was not aware of it. And the Prophet said, he didn't just say, oh, it's Salat. During Salat, we shouldn't talk. He said some very interesting words. Inna la there is sufficient blissful preoccupation within salah the same word is used in the Quran when you are enjoying your intimacy with the who is in paradise in Surah Yaseen Allah, Allah mentions it there so that same word the Prophet said is what we experience in Salat so question do we observe that There is sufficient blissful preoccupation within salah, meaning we are preoccupied to return the salah. So this is in Bukhari and Muslim. But there's another report adding details. In Imam Ahmad in his Musnat, number 3575, 3885, Sahih. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, when we came from Abyssinia, we came to him and greeted him whilst he was praying. He did not return the greeting. Thus, I got very distressed and started trying to find out why until they finished praying. So Ibn Masood, he's now worried. He goes, has something been revealed about me? In another report, he added, I became anxious, wondering which of my deeds have might have caused this. This is in Ahmed in his Musnad, number 4145, with a sahih in a transmission so Look how beautiful. He thought it, it was him. Rasulullah, there was two reasons he didn't return the Salat. One reason was, he was upset with somebody. So Ibn Masood took it immediately, we've done something, I've done something. And he goes, what what have I done? So I thereupon asked him, and he said, Allah said, Verily Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, the possessor of honor and splendor, introduces whatever he wants into his matter, i.e. of Islam. And he has decreed, that we should not speak whilst offering salah. Mm-hmm. So he actually told Ibn Mas'ud and he must have been pleased with how he was you know, responding and as if to say, don't worry, I'm not displeased with you. He goes, Allah has, co- has seen fit to introduce another law in Salat. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, these sahih hadith prove what? That Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had returned to Makkah <laughs> and not to Abyssinia. How? How does it prove it? Could you think of how this proves this? Because like I said that some of the Sahaba returned but then they went to al Madina, and some returned return to Abyssinia. Some moved on to Makkah. How does these Sahih Hadith prove that he has gone on to Makkah? He has not gone to al Madina, nor has he gone back to Abyssinia because there's another report in Saish Bukhari number 4534 Saish Muslim number 539 Nasa'i Abu Dawud in Madi Mishkat and Uddis Sayyidina Zaid ibn Arkum he said we used to talk during Salah indeed one of us would talk to his brother about his needs until this holy verse was revealed Surah Al-Baqarah Surah 2 verse 238 A'udhu Billahi bin Shaitan al-Rajim Haafizu ala's-salati wa-salati al-wasta wa God strictly the prayers and the middle prayer and stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala devoutly Zayd added thus we were ordered to be silent <laughs> so now there's another this is in Bukhari and Muslim and what did Zayd ibn Arqam say from the Ansar, anhu? We used to talk because space that is. Imagine offering Salat and you could still talk. <laughs> but then Allah revealed this verse. And what does He say, Subhanahu wa ta'ala? God, your prayers, especially the middle prayer. Waqumu God, stand before your Lord devoutly. We were ordered to be silent. So now there's a problem here. <laughs> This poses a problem. Why? For it is unanimously agreed that this holy verse was revealed in Al Madina. Thus was the prohibition of speaking during Salat revealed in Makkah or Al Madina. Have you understood? If Ibn Masood has returned to Makkah, he's not in Al Madina. And the Prophet said something's been revealed. What's been revealed? When he's in Al Madina, Zayd said something has been revealed, and he mentioned the verse. So, was the prohibition of not speaking in Makkah or Al Madina? So, here the scholars explain. Shaykh Muqbil, he clarified in his work, Sahihul Musnad min Asbab Nuzul, the authentic Musnad of reasons for the descent of revelation, page 50 of the abridged English translation, quoting. I say, what is readily apparent, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows best, is that speaking during salah was forbidden in Makkah by the authentic sunnah, as mentioned by Ibn Masud, Radiallah. Then later, when he sallallahu arrived in Al madinah some of the people of whom the prohibition had not reached continued to speak during salah, such as Muawiyah ibn al Hakam Radiallah. And thus, subsequently, the verse descended. And Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, knows best. Then he said, if you would like to read more on this issue, refer to the book, Nail Al-Awtar, volume 2, page 329 to 330, and Fatal Bay." This is the problem. If you don't turn to the scholars, you end up with predicaments. Was it in Makkah or Medina? madinah The guy starts scratching his head because they're both in Bukhari and Muslim. I'm really confused. So the Sheikh said, this authentic sunnah pro... Prove the prohibition in Makkah. However, that hadn't reached some of the Ansar. So they continued talking. When that situation occurred, Allah now made it completely clear by revealing a holy verse in al Madina, And this is how you reconcile, said the Shaykh. So now, why is that important to point out? Those as mentioned, proving What? <laughs> Abdullah ibn Mas'ud who upon his return from Abyssinia had stayed with Rasulullah once more in Makkah before their migration a few years later to Al-Madinah. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So it's not easy to explain. If somebody says, okay, he migrated to Abyssinia, that's straightforward. Then he heard the rumor he came back. Where did he go? So a person goes, well, uh, he probably came back to Makkah. Another one goes, no, no, he went to Medina. Another one goes, no, because he went back to Abyssinia. If you look at these authentic reports, he must have gone on back to Makkah because he spoke to the Prophet and the Prophet didn't return the salam. That must have been in Makkah. And then later, the verse was revealed in al Medina. And there's another thing which I'll mention tomorrow about this, which is important with regards to the matter. So note, when you go to the lives of the companions, the taala تعالى عنهم, you actually start getting the fruits of the seed. You start getting more from what's happening in the lifetime of the Prophet And all of this we can extract when going through the life of the great Ibn Mas'ud. So all I mentioned was his return to the Holy City. And then I mentioned how great a deen and honor it was. A grace that they had two migrations given to them by Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then I mentioned the incident in which our beloved messenger did not return the salam, which is obligatory. Allah, Allah says in the Quran that you must return the salam, but in salat you are forbidden. This shows the sanctity of salat. And then I mentioned the possible uh, confliction between authentic reports, which are easily clarified by the respective scholars. Are there any questions you like to ask? سبحان الله بحمد اللهم 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 بحمد